now on Racing Pulse, RSN's racing editor, Matt Stewart. As much as she's probably the biggest jockey superstar in world racing, if you factor everything in, she hasn't won one of the big four. So I think she's probably thinking, I'd probably like to win one or two of the big four before I think about something that might be hard to return from. For more news, opinion and selections, head to rsn.net.au. It is that time of the morning where RSN's racing editor Maddie Stewart joins me in the studio. And uh, Maddie, I've, I've had to quarantine you. You come in and do your news now for fifteen minutes, and then you, you'll have to exit the studio because Matt Welsh is coming in to talk all things All Star Mile and Spring Carnival. I'm worried for his personal safety with you. Oh no, I just have a, <laughs> I, I just completely disagree with the idea of uh, moving the Cox plate, but Matt Welsh is very smart guy and he's in here to uh, to talk to you about um, not just that the rationale behind the push to do that. Um, uh, and also to talk about All-Star Mile-related stuff as well. So he's going to be in after And the I... Festival of Racing, uh, a few tweaks, which, of course, kicks off on Saturday as... Well, speaking of the Festival of Racing, it was it was interesting having a chat to Luke Nolan. You could feel his excitement almost through the phone when he's talking about that horse and what I wish I win. lies ahead for the, the Lightning and then the new market. He said, look... He tried to maybe not answer it when I said, is this the biggest buzz you've had since Black Cavern? And then he just gave up and said, yep. Yeah, yeah. and I can see why, because he's still, even though he's won a $10 million race, he's still... Almost untapped. Well, he's not necessarily in a category yet. They don't know whether he's a sprinter. They don't know whether he's a miler. And I... So if he runs in the Lightning, yes, first up, um, then I think people will think, He's the only one, because the way he trialled yesterday, and he sort of got that, ooh, he might be really good feel about him. You know, when you look at the list of horses that are running the Lightning, I think the only one that could cause a major shock with Nature Strip, because there's no other opposition, is, pardon me, I wish I win just charging at him late and, and causing some sort of an upset. So He's $15 in the Lightning. Nature Strip's $2.30 in secret. I don't think it's going there. Giga Kick's definitely not going there. Cool and Gatter, we spoke to Kira Martrold really well. She is going to go there. Marabi, I doubt. Probably, um, maybe Oakley Plate. And then William Reed, Rockin' Horse, Baller, Joyful Fortune, Bella Nipotina, and then I Wish I Win. You'd have a little throw at the the, the $15, but I'd be more thinking he In might market. be the safest place bet of all time if, you know, say the field comes together and he's, and he's $2.60 the place and you just know he's going to charge. So he yeah, the problem with the $15 is he still has to run past Nature Strip and... Nature Strip, still Nature Strip, so there you go. Well, he is still Nature Strip. That is very profound. Yes, yep. yes. <laughs> uh, plenty of news out of uh, yesterday. Um, it was interesting when we were having a chat to Mick Price, and we just heard a little grab from Mick Price talking about his two superstars, uh, as in Jack and O and I'm Thunderstruck, but he was almost more excited about his two-year-old Charmstone, who we get to see on Saturday, Maddie. And uh, Dan Huddy caught up with Mick this morning. This is what he had to say about Charmstone. She's super. She's a really good two-year-old. She's a, she's a, she's a very good horse uh, who will be a three-year-old also. She's a big, scopey filly. She's got a great brain on her. Some of those I'm Invincibles can get running. You've got to be a little bit careful with the, that breed. But look, she's cool. She's an intelligent filly. She's um, worked super. Then, she worked with an unraced filly called Extreme Threat, who was a little bit green. Extreme Threat was in front, but uh, Charmstone was going to 
you know, run away then. Um, but Zara's very happy. She's good in the wind. I've done enough work with her to come here and hopefully win and then improve into the Blue Diamond in two weeks and go to Sydney. I've got a feeling Mick Price has had better groups of two-year-olds than he's got this year. So, But if uh, she's the one, then uh, she seems... And Mick Price's best two-year-old candidate for a Blue Diamond is usually a good formula to getting close to finding the winner. So, $2.80 favourite in the prelude on Saturday in the early markets. And um, the Jake Casey uh, interview we just heard before, the, the cult that they're bringing down uh, or over from WA, Brave Halo was $5 bang straight into $3.50 equal favourite undefeated three starts. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that WA two-year-old form. We don't see many WA two-year-olds come over here for a blue diamond. Never. Hardly ever. I can't... Honestly, someone will SMS in, but... Yeah, let's and the, Have and you got I, a good two-year-old that's come over here? Anyone? Where's the... Contest a blue diamond? Where's the Brisbane one in the in the market there? The, uh, uh, what's... Uh, party for two. Party for two. Well, you might. Need well, it to, arrived. You might need to chase it up because it's not in the market for well, the prelude. So. It's, yeah. Well, it's supposed to have come down last Wednesday. So, anyway, I'll chase that up with the trainer because that was going to be Nikita Berryman's return to Melbourne, and that would have been a nice story. Um, Jamie Carr was very good uh, on, on It's nine dollars. Okay. Jamie Carr was very good on. Uh, uh, racing.com last night. There was one particularly lovely segment that I really liked uh, with some vision that we don't have. But the other one was the question of how I'm Thunderstruck's going and uh, looking ahead to the All-Star Mile. So this is uh, Jamie Carr on I'm Thunderstruck. Yeah, well, I haven't ridden him for a while till recently and um, he's improved massively since then. He's grown up, he's matured. He was quite a difficult horse to deal with early days. Um, and he had the gear off in this trial and you can see he just wanted to lay in a touch um, late, but still, compared to how he used to be, he's um, he's matured uh, matured a lot. But uh, the team are really happy with him. I'm really happy with him. Um, he did everything right in that trial. I'm going to gallop him tomorrow morning at, at Sandown. But I'm um, now really looking forward to, to partnering up with him again. Um, yeah, we'll just take it run by run. Um, but he's a he's a very nice horse to be um, partnered with. And um, just yeah, it's pretty much just seeing how. We go this weekend together, and there's a lot to play out till the All-Star Mile still, but um, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a pretty good problem to have. Yeah, it's a very forgiving track, and um, if things don't plan out perfectly, it's, um, like I said, it's a bit forgiving, and um, I think he's been around that track many times before, and um, I think it's a perfect um, step-off point for him. You know you're extremely good and extremely uh, uh, popular when you say things like it's a good problem to have. How, when was the last time you said, oh, this is a good problem to have? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't recall. No, uh, I've never, I can't remember the last time I was ever in a position to be overwhelmed of, by good you, options. You, you have a lot of problems, but not, yeah, but not, to, good. not good to have. <laughs> um, stop referring to my car. Uh, the other one, and this was... Well, but just on that, who do you think she will ride in oh. an all-star mile? No idea. Uh, I'm thunderstruck if he runs well. Yeah? Yeah, but then she loves Zaki, so don't know. Okay. We'll see. See, that's a good thing about the future. We'll know then. <laughs> uh, the other one, and this this was the, probably the best vision we saw in 2022, was the little girls hanging over the fence when Jamie Carr won a race, and then she went over and she really engaged in a really lovely way with these little girls, and this is uh, what she said about... Not just that day, but also maybe what she'd like to do in the future, re-kids. 
Yeah, I'm losing a lot of goggles lately. <laughs> but um, oh, it's really special. It's um, I've got a soft spot for little girls and, and ponies. And um, you know, that day um, when Zaki won, I think they made me cry. It was um, it was very special, and it's just so great to try and welcome the next um, you know next hopefully future stars of racing. We need more of this in our sport. We need more young people and. Um, anything I can do to, you know, promote that, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, but, yeah, I think I need to um, invoice Racing Victoria for some more goggles. You know, when you've got little girls looking up to you and wanting to be like you when you grow up, it makes you have this next level of responsibility, I think. And, um, yeah, there's lots of autographs at the races and uh, things that just feel so surreal to me still. But, um, like I said, anything I can do to, you know, give them a bit of advice and um, point them in the right direction, I'm all for it. And, one day, hopefully, I can um, maybe have a little riding school here or something for um, younger kids starting out and, and wanting to make their way into to racing. I think that would be pretty special. There you go. There's something else you and I can't relate to, having people looking up to her. Uh, well, <laughs> Imagine what, the pressure of people looking up to you. What she just touched on then would be absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And every time you hear Jamie speak, she speaks so intelligently, mm, eloquently. Mm, we, mm. I'd love to hear more from her, but I love that. She's not really... Yeah, we don't no, have a lot of luck, do no, we? she hates the media. Well, I should uh, say, she of... hates doing interviews on, on the media, uh, but it was good to see her do that last night because she she does understand that she is a, a massive role model. And yeah. to be honest, she doesn't need to... Well, we would love to hear from her. She doesn't need to do interviews on horses she's riding on the weekend, but she does need, from a racing perspective, to try and garner the interest in that next yep. generation, which yep. she is really invested in. And and could you imagine Jamie Carr riding school for... for I reckon the fees would be a bit private schoolish, wouldn't But just they? to put her name on that, mm. those little kids mm. coming through... That like the Yvonne Gulligan Tennis exactly. Centre or something, wouldn't it? And something Racing Victoria should, you know, say, hey, she's opened the door here. Yep. And Let's I look at, grab hold of it. It's probably a more meaningful role than doing a lot of media. Um I don't have a lot of luck with it, to be honest, but that's a small issue. Um, South Australia, two interesting things. Um, there was a bit of a hullabaloo at the races over there at the Parks track on uh, Saturday. Where so was this an owner who got kicked out? Very prominent owner called Tim Lilly um, was uh, basically ejected from the Scales mounting yard area. He had a pass. He's, he's got about 20 horses and multiple horses in on the day. Won the first race, had runners in the second. Um I'm not sure. I've, I've made a couple of calls. I know I've got a fair handle that, yeah, some people think that the security was a bit overzealous, but then there's probably two sides to the story as well. But I think a lot of people... So he was ejected, and he's a very big owner, and he got upset, and so did the Chris Beag stable. And there's been a lot of talk about it on social media, and there was a story on it on one of the websites as well. So it's sort of blown up a bit. Um, race uh, the club is doing its own internal investigation into it and i think why it's passionate michael is people get very narky these days about when you go to the metro races particularly and you know all the, the issues they have of actually people coming back and stuff like cost and things like that but um getting overzealous green coats is a is a is a bit of a sticking point for a lot of people about where you can and can't go when you feel like you should be able to move around quite freely this isn't specifically about that but i think it kind of erupted as an issue because people get very sensitive about green coats at the races and experiences they've had and things like that. But that's not to say that the uh, security in this case was um, necessarily to blame, but it certainly got a lot of people talking. As did yesterday when we were talking on um, the verdict about the scenario where SA residents um, 
can vote in the All-Star Mile, but they can't win anything. It's got something to do with the gaming laws. and the, But I have made a few phone calls about that, and I'm told that this is a lot to do with the anti-gambling stance of the South Australian state government. This comes... Uh, as yesterday also, the New South Wales state government um, d- um, announced a severe crackdown on poker machines in the state. So this is all about a strong messaging about the sensitivities around gambling advertising, gambling per se, and so on. And of course, that makes racing have to be hyper vigilant about continuing to balance out the stories between obviously the fires are fueled by um, the gambling dollar. We know that that's been the case for hundreds of years. But I think it's a reminder that the the uh, the gambling sensitivity is such these days that racing has to be extremely vigilant, no doubt, about branding uh, itself with other things, not just about the, the wagering. When we can, we, how we can uh, generate the greatest amount of wagering, and look, that may even come into your conversation with Matt Welsh about it. Is not uh, this is my view and of others. You cannot base. Every or most decisions you make purely because there's a wagering opportunity, even though there's a lot of volatility about the future of the wagering income and all sorts of things. But um, it can't be all about where maximising wagering is. There's, there's got to be more to it than that. Well, it'll be interesting because here in Melbourne next week, and we'll be live out there um, each day, is the 39th Asian yes. Racing Conference. And the theme of the conference is um, breaking, you know, breaking barriers. barriers, which is... The future of racing, how to overcome roadblocks, perceptions, etc. There's a, a whole lot of conferences. There's a whole lot of um, very experienced and um, yep. well-respected racing people from well, all over the globe descending on Melbourne to have panels and discussions yep. uh, about a number of issues, read the future of racing. It's on the 15th to the 17th. Um, um we will be um, interviewing Winfried Engelbrecht Regis, the um, CEO of the Hong Kong Jockey Club, uh, next Monday. Uh, extended interview that we'll be doing there. Martin Bakula is going to be there, the former racing minister. Marty, uh, Katie Page Harvey, Jerry, of course, Mrs. Harvey, uh, Magic Millions, and so on. Uh, Masayuka Goto, the president of the JRA, Japan Racing Association. Julie Harrington, chief executive of the BHA. And it'd be interesting to hear from Julie Harrington about what's happening in England with these um, affordability checks and so on. So, And a lot of the wagering um, CEOs are there, not just in yeah. Australia, yeah. Adam Wrightenskill yeah. from the TAB, but also from overseas, the, the head of yeah. um, the UK tote and also major wagering operators. So their perception of what needs to happen, what's going on with the turnover, where does yep. the... The turnover look like it will be headed post COVID. Yep. yep. Um, and Matt Matt Tripp, um, one of the big corporate bosses, the other week conceded that gambling advertising has to be adjusted. Um, so it is interesting that the, the, there's all these sensitivities going on. There's, uh, as I mentioned, the affordability checks in the UK. So um, it's. Just, I just think. I think that racing has to be very sensitive to these things at the moment and plot a very careful course and the narratives and the language that racing uses about what motivates and what it's all about. And it can't simply be all about wagering and spikes in turnover, even though it's important. But there's a lot more to racing. It's a lot more complicated than purely being driven by increased opportunities in wagering. So, couple anyway. A couple of quick ones because we've got many Welsh ready to come inside. To... I haven't got the Joe Pride tweet because uh, my phone's out in my desk. So there you go. <laughs> Unless Mikey wants to dash out. Uh, what about, you've got 
Shane Dye here slagging off Aussie jockeys. Hasn't he had a crack, old Raymond Shane? So yeah, is he just been a, yeah, uh, a clickbait um, yeah. commentator? Yeah, I agree. I think he is because I actually think the Australian jockey ranks a deeper than Hong Kong. So, and we've seen Jamie Carr, Hugh Bowman. Uh, Zach Purton uh, just dominate over there. So Shane Dyes basically said, yeah, Jamie Carr might do all right there. James McDonald might do all right there. But uh, Huey's going okay at the moment. Um, but he said plenty go over there and they are just terrible. And they, these are Group 1 winning winners with big names. They get over there and they get lost. I could give you a list and they go right down in my estimation of them because they can't do it outside of their patch. They're no stars. So... Raymond, and we all know a lot of the Australian jockeys that have been there before the, the, that he would say have failed. Uh, Beedman came back early. Uh, Nick Ryan came back early. Patrick Payne. Uh, so Dyes uh, certainly aimed up a few of those. There's no doubt about that. Um, Joe Pride's... It was just an interesting tweet that got a lot of people talking when a, when a trainer fights back. There's a horse of his called Shalatin. Um who a lot of the media guys, including Brad Davison and others, and Darren Flindell um, sent this response. So what was the excuse at Newcastle three starts ago, Joe Price said, question mark. He had every conceivable chance to win today and many times in the past. If you can do a better job, bravado, buy Shalatin and take out your jockey's licence, you obviously are better than Nashra Willer. So he's challenged um, a... a uh, very unathletic racing journal like the rest of us to to jump in the saddle and do an ash and see if he can do any better. So it was interesting that he had a little bite back. Oh, I don't mind that. That's all good. But now, um, yesterday, a um, couple of interesting ones. Um, the May used to stable. This was Carisbrook was eleven dollars into three sixty. Ran seventh. Um, just a few argy bargies um, contacted me today about uh, lack of information. Um, the horse was supposed to wear blinkers. Uh, it didn't. The May used to stable was fined $200, but it didn't help punters, but a little stable error there. Change of jockey tactics for Zooming Zebra was announced just as they were cantering to the gates. Uh, box seated, raced on pace and won, but, uh, you know, it's, a, it's the bane of people's lives. If you're going to have this sort of change of tactics, in, tactics information, at least make it in enough time where people can adjust their wagering behaviour. Uh, All-Star Mile voting's been open 24 hours now. Who do you think is the number one vote-getter? Um, At this stage... The Inevitable. Alligator Blood. Okay. Uh, Matty? Speaking of The Inevitable, he's running at Hobart on Sunday, and will Malecki and I will be down there. Oh, look out, Tasmania. Yep, Um, that's that's probably about right. We'll have a chat to Scotty Brunton before then as well. Matty Stewart, uh, all of RSNs at News, and we'll see you on the big V a little later at 11.30 as well.